Hey, this is Jeff Shine. You may know me as the voice of Carlos Oliveira in Resident Evil 3 or as Captain America in the Marvel's Avengers. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. And listen, don't worry, guys. I'm not going to go and leave you fans in a cold, cruel, Carlosless world. All right, and welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast and the number one podcast in Pacific, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I have a very, very special guest today. I'm so honored and privileged to have the one, the only, Ben Fiquet on the show. Ben is the CEO of Lizard Cube. He worked on Streets of Rage 4. Uh, <laughs> it's oh just... Boy. Hey, Wonder Boy, it is so, it's such an honor having you on the show. Like, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm starstruck because your work has been so phenomenal, you and your team. But you know what? I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm fine. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm some Ben. Uh, I'm the CEO of Little Cube and uh, object or uh, animator and, uh, and, creative stuff uh, basically um so we started lizard cube with omar cornu my mm-hmm. associate which is a, a amazing programmer and uh and we did wonder boy uh, the dragon strap which is um a remake of uh, an old game from uh, h9 Super and, good too. <laughs> this was one of the best game of the master system, and Omar uh, is a massive uh, master system nerd. Uh, he developed uh, um, an emulator back in the nineties, uh, and he wanted absolutely to make uh, a remake of this uh, marvelous game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started. Uh, by luck, really, uh, we had the, the chance uh, to to know the creator from the boy, mm-hmm. and he gave us his blessing. And and from then onward, we started developing a prototype, which uh, we only did on our spare time, and uh, it eventually got good and showable to a publisher. So mm-hmm. we, we had a match with Dotemu, uh, which is a publisher of uh, Wonderboy and Street of Fraser as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then, we we had the studio, basically. Uh, it, we didn't mean to really make a studio, but uh, we we didn't have a choice really because you need a proper uh, functional structure mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, to to do business and um, and after that I wanted to Wonder Boy was a good success uh, both critically and um, and in terms of sales so mm-hmm. so I, I was wondering what we could do um, after that and I was focused on. Uh, 
the license I loved when I was a kid uh, and I was a Sega kid. And uh, mm-hmm. Street of Rage was definitely in my mind because it was one of the best games I had. And it, it, it's a lost, uh, it was a lost franchise, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been seen in 25 years, and a lot of fans are out there, and they want they they wanted something, uh, a follow up or or, or or anything really, mm-hmm. and uh, and so with Dotemu, uh, um, I, I I made um, we made a, a little presentation that mm-hmm. we sent. Yeah. Uh, and the good thing is, uh, since Wonderball was a, a pretty good success, um, uh, we had the ear of Sega, mm. uh, which is actually a very good start with Japanese people because mm. uh, they don't give their trust easily. Uh, so uh, we provided uh, a good blueprint print of what we thought about uh, respecting the license and um, and going forward with the with the legacy so uh, and with that in mind uh, we had some back and forth uh, with the Japanese uh, headquarters mm-hmm. and after some time because it, it can take some time uh, over there and uh, after some times uh, we finally had a deal and uh, and it was a stroke of luck, really, because it's uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, having like a small studios uh, re- uh, continuing a no license, a very big license, at least for Western people, mm-hmm. uh, is something that you don't see very often. Yeah. So yeah, so and so uh, yeah, we had uh, we made the game and we released it in uh, the 30th of April, uh, 2020, and to a massive success, uh, which is always good. Yeah, there was like a a lot of uh, a lot of hype that was going into it. I remember the initial announcement a couple years back, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I was with my wife when I heard I. I Cause I follow Wario 64 on Twitter and he's usually mm-hmm. my go-to for like gaming news and information trailers. And when I saw he tweeted about that, I was with my wife and we were in the middle of, uh, I think we were in target and <laughs> I literally dropped my phone and just started screaming up and down. I was like, yo, streets of rage is coming back. And everyone thought I was a madman, but it, it's such a, it, you know, when you look at franchises from the nineties, a lot of them that we grew up with, that were so phenomenal it, going forward. Like a lot of them have been lost. Like you said, like lost franchises and yeah. there've been many attempts. I, I feel that, you know, once Sega went from the Genesis to the Saturn and into the Dreamcast that they weren't really sure where to go with it. Cause I remember fighting force was supposed to have been at one point, the new streets of rage, but then that changed up and, you know, Fans have just been, we've been waiting for 25 years for a new entry. And then you mm-hmm. guys really knocked it out of the park. Like, was there a lot of pressure on you guys? Like when it came to like trying to live up to the legacy of well, the franchise? Yeah, well, of, co- of course there is. Um, but when you start a project like that, you, you don't, you know, that there's a lot of expectation, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
but she, you you can't have that in mind all the way uh, to the finish line because otherwise uh, you don't do anything that uh, resemble you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we started with like a lot of dreams and what we could do with a franchise, where we could go, uh, and and I think the the, the pressure. Uh, especially from the hardcore fans, uh, came just after we released the trailer, the first mm-hmm. original trailer, because uh, they, it was such a massive leap uh, from uh, the original pixel art uh, style and, uh, and the new direction I was going for. Uh, so, uh, of course, th- th- there was a bit of, um, of blowback, but mm-hmm. uh, mainly from the most vocal uh, fans, uh, but, but if you were looking at the overall reactions, uh, people were so excited. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was amazing. And, and, and the pressure continued on uh, uh, in every video we released about the game and every information uh, we gave. Uh, fans were really uh, looking into any details they could get, and um, and so the pressure was very uh, building up from from the starting point of the starting point of the um, original trailer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know, like when going with uh, the art style, like it's so fluid, like. I don't think I've seen anything run as fluidly smooth as Streets of Rage 4 in that art style. And uh, were there a lot of carryovers as far as like deciding how you want to present it uh, from Wonder Boy to going into Streets of Rage? So, so, uh, um, I don't really understand the question. Oh, when it came to like the uh, how you want to present the art style, like mm-hmm. uh, going from the original pixelization of the characters to uh, a hand-drawn aesthetic. Like, was that a carryover? Because you guys did this uh, yeah. very similar technique with... Yeah, um, yeah. Well, th- 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 this was not um, a really huge, uh, difficult thing for me to... Uh, to, to to go for because basically it's just a continuation of uh, the style I started with on Monoboy, but uh, also from the style and what I like to see uh, in games or in animation or mm-hmm. and I really wanted to have a, one of the best uh, fluid uh, beat them up out there because most of the time especially now you have a lot of 3D and uh, uh, and and uh, and something that doesn't resemble what I had in mind when I was a child, and mm-hmm. I wanted to see anim- animated characters. I didn't want to see you know just puppets, uh, puppets, gameplay puppets uh, that that don't have life in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the traditional animation um, helps, uh, really helps give a lot of uh, life to any character. Uh, mm-hmm. More than 3D, more than um, cut-out animation. Uh, so basically, for me, it was obvious. I wanted mm-hmm. to see uh, something like that. I wanted to to push forward 
the medium and the animation into video games and to the animation. And uh, there's few studios that are doing traditional animation like um, MDHR uh, for Cuphead or um, uh, Lab Zero, uh, uh, Lab Zero Games, which is no more. So I'm gonna say, uh, what's the name of the the new studio they founded? But anyway, um, the, the the artists behind uh, Skullgirls and uh, Indivisibles, mm. uh, and and most of the time because to the animation, like traditional animation, is very difficult to, to, to produce for, uh, especially for a video game, because there's so much uh, stuff going on for gameplay, for uh, you, you don't have a lot of iterative power over, over your 2D animation, because you have to do it over again if you want to change something. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was quite, uh, it was quite obvious for me, really, to, to, to go forward, to, to, to push that style, and uh, to, to have, to have the lines um, really visible, like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have like um, texture and uh, painted characters. Like for example, uh, what are uh, doing the Japanese of um, uh, fucking hell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the games uh, uh, them up in two D. Uh, Dragon's Crown. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. Dragon's Crown. Yeah, yes. Dragon's Crown. Uh, don't remember the name of the studio. <laughs> My bad. Is it a vanilla? Vanilla Ware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the amazing people of Vanilla Ware. And uh, I, I didn't want to to have that. Uh, I want. I really wanted to have the the the, the line of the drawing part. Mm-hmm. You know, so 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 it makes it makes the world seem more readable. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, okay, okay, and um, you know, w- with the gameplay style of Streets of Rage Four, the the battle system that you guys decided to go up on, it's very much more Streets of Rage 2 than 3, but there's so many improvements with the juggle combat mm. physics, uh, the combo system being as deep as it is. Like, What what made you uh, decide to use Streets of Rage 2, uh, if, if you did, as a basis for 4 instead of 3? Well, the most thing, and um, you have to consider that um, the all the game design and uh, uh, gameplay programmation uh, is made by Graph Crush and uh, the team, which is because the game is a um, collaboration between uh, mm-hmm. who did the uh, art and creative general direction, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Graph Crush uh, programming and the which is doing the. Um, the, the game design and uh, overall publishing of the game, uh, and but the whole team basically wanted uh, Switch of Rage 2 as a blueprint because this is actually the most uh, balanced game of the three, mm-hmm. uh, and this is something people refer to when they consider Switch of Rage uh, as a franchise. They refer to the the, the number two. 
Future Fridge 2 because this is uh, considered the the best game. And even if uh, the third the third one had a lot of interesting um, uh, gameplay improvement happening, mm -hmm. uh, it was a bit too much. Uh, it was deemed a bit too much by the the team and the game designer uh, because. Uh, at the end, Street of Fresh 4 is is a mix in terms of um, of gameplay and uh, speed between the number two and number three, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and more more of that uh, with the combo system and the juggles and uh, and everything. Uh, but yeah, basically, basically the, the Street of Fresh 2 was uh, the definitive blueprint. And this is the most known game of the three. Okay. And uh, jumping over to uh, Wonder Boy. <clears throat> Sorry. Jumping over to, to Wonder Boy. Uh, with how successful Dragon's Trap was, uh, have you guys considered or thought about working on either another entry within the Wonder Boy franchise or... Have you thought of like another? Is there like another Sega intellectual property you'd love to work on, like Golden Axe or uh, Outrun? Yeah, or anything? Well, yeah, of of course, of course there is. But um, at some point, I think you know, if I I'm not you know Sega bastard child that are redoing, remaking all their old license mm -hmm. uh, and and. I want to, to, to do something else and to tackle new stuff. Um, I would I would have loved to, to, to do Golden Axe 4 or, um, or a lot of uh, Sega franchise from the, back in the day. But uh, uh, honestly, um, uh, if, if I was to do another license, I think it would be quite... Uh, complicated to, for the people to understand that I only do Sega licenses, mm -hmm. um, and even if the, uh, if the Sega has been really great from the start, from Wonder Boy and uh, Super Fresh Four, um, I, I think they they also want to have their end uh, on their own license at some point because uh, mm -hmm. they've seen the massive success of the two games. Um, so. Uh, yeah, no, well, yeah, for me, I, I would, if I was doing another license, I would try to tackle another company. Uh, but the path I'm going for now is uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make a proper new IP, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, implies a lot more uh, than just basing uh, your work on previous work. But um, uh, I'm going to try to, to, develop things uh and see how it goes really okay okay um so one of the other questions that i had for you uh i wanted to dive into like the uh the creation of lizard cube like how did that come about well as i said you know we started wonder boy uh on our spare time and at some point we needed the legal structure to, to, to and, and we really didn't want to have a company because mm -hmm. we knew the hassle it would be, it would mean for us. 
and I'm still, you know, fighting with administrative stuff. And uh, but this is a price to pay, you know, to have a proper business. And uh, I'm I'm really quite happy with uh, with the result because the company is quite striving. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and with, uh, you know, the current pandemic that's going on, how has that uh, impacted, you know, your work or workflow and uh, has it negatively impacted Lizard Cube? Uh, yeah. to- no, not really, because um, we are not, um, basically, Omar is working from home, from is not working at the studio and we are two people we were two people at Lizard Cube for um, Suite of Rage 4 is I did uh, the art direction uh, uh, character art and animation and uh, Julian and Julian Yu did all the backgrounds mm-hmm. so basically it was only two people um, and we managed to finish the, the game at least all the art uh, 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 just before the quarantine, uh, so we had the oh. chance. Uh, we had the chance to only have to work on marketing stuff, and um, uh, from March to April thirties. Um, so we had that chance, and since since then we 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 worked remotely, mm. but without uh, uh, without pressure really. Oh, okay, okay. But and we we started back in June uh, in France. They reopened uh, in June, and uh, we're we're working at the studio now. Oh, okay. So you, you guys are are open over there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have that chance, and uh, okay. so that's awesome, awesome. And uh, you know, looking diving into your background, like. Uh, what got you uh, into gaming? Like, what was that definitive gaming moment for you that, like, solidified this is something you're passionate about going forward? Uh, you mean uh, as a kid or... Yeah, yeah as a kid. Yeah. It just stuck uh, with well, you. <laughs> I think, yeah, the Mega Drive uh, was a genesis for uh, the U.S. listeners. Um, was my biggest uh, my favorite console uh, mm-hmm. because I had so many thing, different things like uh, you could have cute things like Sonic but you could also have like uh, Golden Axe, Street of Rage, uh, Aladdin, um, uh, Swarm Gym, a lot of a lot of stuff and uh, and I really was attracted to uh, animated uh, games like Aladdin, yeah. uh, Earthworm Jim, Cool Spot, uh, Quackshot. Uh, uh, most of the time, I was uh, looking for that kind of game, and and I stopped gaming uh, during my teenage teenagehood mm-hmm. because I was more uh, occupied with uh, trying to flirt and uh, drink. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, after that, I started doing art um, school, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I, I had different kind of dreams uh, throughout the years. Like I wanted to be a comic artist. I wanted to be an animator for uh, big companies. Uh, 
I wanted to, and and strangely, the first job I had was uh, in a studio called Neck and Sleep, which mm -hmm. is a video game studio, and we made uh, Soul Bubbles, which is a DS game, Nintendo DS game, uh, with Omar actually, and this is where we met with Omar. Mm -hmm. And I was art directing in the game, and he was the main programmer. And okay. uh, uh, this was quite a simple and, and quite a good game, frankly. Um, and so after that, I, 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 I went back to animation because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to try to be you know, in the animation business. Uh, and uh came back to comics because I wanted to have my own comics. Um, so I did that as well. And uh, by a stroke of luck, uh, again, uh, we uh, reconnected with Omar in 2015. Mm -hmm. And and we started developing Wonder Boy. And uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with the result, you know, both in terms of uh, business and um, uh, and my personal uh, growth as, as an artist and uh, recognition among uh, peers. Okay, okay. And uh, as far as like uh, diving into getting into art, like at what point, uh, was that something you've always done uh, from your youth up to now, uh, art and design, or was it something yeah. you kind of dove into and just had a passion for? Yeah, no, well, I was drawing since I was a kid. Uh, I, I did uh, I did an art school after uh, high school, and uh, mm -hmm. this is all I wanted to do, really. Uh, I all be, I've always been into, into art and uh, drawing. Okay, okay. And um, as far as, like, uh, creating, I know you mentioned that you'd like to create your own uh, intellectual property, uh, what genre, if you were to create one, would it be uh, action-adventure, platformer, uh, beat em uh, up? Well, I'd like to tackle uh, many genre, genres. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'd like to... to uh, we have a lot of uh, ideas uh, coming in, and mm -hmm. we're going to try different stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to, 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 to do that quickly and see if something goes out of it. Uh, but mainly I want it to be animated and I want it to be uh, instant gaming. You know, um, mm -hmm. the games I like uh, are the games that you start and you can play right away and there's mm -hmm. no... Uh, too much of a um, story, too much of a uh, background that you have to get into, and too much uh, gameplay mechanics that you have to learn and you have mm -hmm. to uh, understand uh, 20 buttons before you can play. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, I, I just started Aegis uh, uh, from uh, Supergiant. Uh, yeah. Which is an amazing game, uh, and I really, I really like that kind of games. You know, like Nuclear Throne or Dead Cell, or um, or even Overwatch, which is a kind of a different game. But uh, Overwatch is very instant gaming. 
You know, mm-hmm. you, start it, you start a game, uh, you play for uh, 30 minutes and you die, uh, which is my kind of stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to listen to a, a bad written story for uh, an hour and just yeah. uh, ten minutes of gameplay. And um, uh, that's not my kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 I struggle at times dealing with a lot of the games that are modern these days because, uh, you know, like you, like I'm used to just. The games from yesteryear where you could just put them in and you could just start playing yeah. uh, so much games these these days it's like an hour or two i've actually played one game uh that had two hours worth of tutorial before you even got to play the game and i'm like this is ridiculous <laughs> yeah this is this is a nightmare like the, the bad tutorials yeah the, uh, too long introduction unskippable introduction where you have to listen to a narrator uh, saying that the, the world is in peril and uh, you are the savior, you've been chosen, uh, fucking hell. I don't <laughs> care about fucking stories. This is, this, is, this is not a deep story. I just want to um, to fight monsters. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's just... And, and one of the other things that's just so crazy with video games now, uh, I was talking to my wife about it uh, yesterday, and it's just how, like, before you can even play video games now, you've got to sign the EULA yeah. <laughs> agreements and all this, and it's like, you don't really know what you're signing, but you got to scroll all the way down, like, yes, I agree, yes, I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a... Uh... That's a complicated uh, industry. This is a fun industry, video games, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it's evolving so quickly and going sometimes such a radical direction that uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to follow. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it you know I I miss the simple days where we could just play a video game that legitimately was trying to just be a video game and not yeah. trying to be uh, a movie or interactive movie like yeah and I, even <laughs> even you try to to have some bits of story mm-hmm. uh, you can have that very small and not bothering you and skippable especially you have to be skippable and mm-hmm. this is why um, I wrote the story in Switch of Rage 4, and I wanted to have something as minimal as possible. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in the old games, basically, you have an introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like few drawings acting at, as cinematics, mm-hmm. and that's it, basically. And, and if you don't want to listen to the story, you can skip it. Yeah. And this won't be. Uh, this is not a story that's going to change your life. It's it's just a matter of uh, perspective. You know, you know where you are, why you're here, and where you have to go. Uh, yeah. This is not a deep um, commentary on society or something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know, like the story for Streets of Rage Four. Like I, I really enjoyed what you guys do with it, uh, especially with. You know, it had that time skip, you know, from where it was to where it is now. And uh, it it just flowed like I didn't feel like I was bombarded with, you know, a million tutorials in the first hour. It's like, oh, here you go. Yeah. Here's yeah, the story. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> and if, if you don't get it, that's not a problem. You're going to get it uh, with 
try and error. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely like one of the things, uh, are you guys looking at, uh, or are you looking at writing any additional like DLC stories for, or add on to Streets yeah. of Rage 4? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, of course we are thinking about a DLC, mm -hmm. but, uh, that's not going to be heavy on the story. Um, the okay. story side. so it's more going to be gameplay improvement and, uh, and stuff. Okay. One of the things like uh, you guys definitely did with uh, Streets of Rage 4 that really set it apart from every other brawler that's come out in recent years um, is the inclusion of online co-op, which every time I review any other brawler that's come out this year or last year or whatever, like it's always one of those where I'm like, doesn't have online co-op and like yeah. it's harder it, it's funny because like when i was a kid or a teenager in college like i could easily get someone to go and play a video game with but mm -hmm. like as i'm older in my 30s now i'm like yeah my friends on the other side of the country <laughs> or yeah. other side of the world and this is like this is exactly my point of view because uh when you play street of rage uh, mm -hmm. Back in the days, you were inviting a friend uh, over to your house. Mm -hmm. And with the um, world as it is now, uh, you don't want to go to a friend's place to play a yeah. game. You just want to log in and uh, and play on your favorite machine. And uh, so it was uh, mandatory for me that we had online and online uh, co-op because you have to reproduce that experience that you had as a child. Uh, and try to have it in the proper 2020 game, but uh, still, it's a it's a nightmare to try to have an online um, multiplayer. It's yeah. uh, uh, everything about it is uh, multiplying the QA, multiplying the the programming and uh, and stuff. This is uh, I honestly understand why there is no multiplayer in a lot of games. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of reviews I've seen have said like, oh, I wish it had four-player online co-op, and I'm thinking that's got to be a programming nightmare. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, it's not even doubling the time of uh, production. It's like 16th time uh, because there's so much problems that can occur uh, mm -hmm. when you're players uh, and when when a player goes that way and when a player does that what does a game do do uh, this is uh, unsolvable not uh, not at all scale you know this is mm -hmm. a small game compared to uh, to big multiplayer games out there yeah and how does uh, what is your take on this resurgence of like the beat-em-up genre like Last year we had, you know, River City Girls. We had, yeah. uh, what else did we had? We had a uh, Fighting Rage, and then Fighting Rage, or the, the Takeover. Yeah, uh, there is also well, yeah. different kind of stuff. But the big oh, there's uh, Battletoads that just came out. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, I think, I think it's good uh, because this is like a fun genre. Uh, people just 
go into the street and uh, fight monster or people and uh, I don't I don't know I don't see it coming back but I hope it stays even as a niche uh, mm -hmm. I like to beat them up uh, from time to time but uh, the modern world uh, more expectation uh, than traditional beat them up you know because sometimes beat them up can feel a bit repetitive and uh, uh, and this is uh, quite a difficult genre to uh, to sell nowadays. Mm -hmm. But I like to see them. I like to see them. I love uh, River City Girls uh, uh, and a few others as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as like uh, this upcoming generation of consoles with the PlayStation Five and the uh, Xbox? Uh, series <laughs> X and I the one that bought the Xbox One X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, well, the, honestly, that's uh, just uh, new machines and that's not going to change anything for me, especially because I'm making 2D games. Mm -hmm. So if uh, your uh, PS3 can play uh, 2D games, I think your PS5 can as well. Okay. And I, I, I like to see the, the the new stuff and the new machines, and uh, but that that's not going to change uh, what's inside the games. And uh, I just hope to have you know to be able to play fun games on whichever platform I want. Really, is there one that you're leaning towards uh, one over the other, or are you more of a PC gamer? I'm a, a more of a PC gamer myself, okay. and I have a Nintendo Switch at home. Mm -hmm. I never owned uh, either a PlayStation or an Xbox, uh, but I have to say if I have to choose, it's going to be PS5, obviously, just because of the uh, fuck-up name of the Xbox uh, series. <laughs> uh, my ass, you know. Uh, and, you know, I think there is more... Uh, fun um, uh, games on the PS5 and mm -hmm. more uh, I like the fact that there is a SSD as a hard drive mm -hmm. uh, because I like to, to have my game uh, load quickly uh, but I have that on PC uh, uh, yeah. what can I say no no I, I think it's good but the uh, Xbox uh, they have a huge incentive with the Game Pass, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually quite a good uh, service. Uh, I hope it doesn't ruin uh, the small indie developers mm -hmm. uh, because there's going to be a lot of people uh, playing it as a service and not as a full price game. But uh, but this is actually quite a good incentive from Microsoft. Well, I, that's one of the things like I definitely want to ask you, like in regards to what, from a from a business and a developer standpoint, like your opinion or stance on Xbox Game Pass or games as a service, like does that help or hurt? Uh, well, I. I honestly don't know, and I think nobody knows really 
mm-hmm. what's going to be the state of the of the industry in five years because it's evolving so much. Mm-hmm. But I have to, I have to say that as a developer and as a business uh, owner, I would prefer to have people paying full price for a game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But as a consumer, there's so many games coming out there that having a service that uh, offers you to 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 play uh, new games uh, for fee uh, mm-hmm. is actually a very good idea. Uh, but let's see how it goes and see if this is uh, good for developers as well. Uh, uh, I I don't believe in cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I really don't. Because for having uh, for having people to play cloud gaming, you have to have a massive base of uh, of uh, people with uh, fiber optic access at least. Mm-hmm. And this is not going to be the case. Even ten years, uh, there's a lot of people that just going to have broadband. And uh, I don't see it as a proper solution. Mm-hmm. But uh, the rental service like uh, Game Pass is actually a good uh, good thing for for consumers. Yeah, I've noticed when it comes to you know, I guess the gaming opinion on Game Pass is very mixed. Like some people think it's a great value, which I I think it's a great value as well. I I do worry that that could sway people away from buying the games because i see with game pass like oh yeah you can play it as part of the service or you can buy it at a discounted rate mm. and more often than not people will just play it as this part of game pass and then not buy it later so that's i'm in that camp of i enjoy it but i have concerns about it mm. um but then there are those who think like there aren't that many or aren't any quality games on it well, there's, a always... of, there's a lot of quality games on the game on the game pass but the yeah. thing the thing is um people have to realize that this is like uh timed uh games that for example you have a game for one year on, on the game pass and after that you don't have it anymore uh mm-hmm. so and also it doesn't you know when you have too much to play yeah, uh, you don't take the time to enjoy what you ju- you just bought. Yeah, uh, which is always the, the, the same. Like for example, when I had a Nintendo DS, I had the R four uh, cartridge. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the not. Uh, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> those. But so I could have all the Nintendo DS game uh, at the same time, and mm-hmm. I didn't finish anything. Uh, I just played from one game to the other without even thinking about it. Um, so yeah, but I don't think all the games gonna be on Game Pass because mm-hmm. uh, because you have you have to you, you have to make your game for Xbox and Game Pass uh, and you have to be willing to to consider that people are not going to buy your game on other platforms. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's good. You know, you have more people playing your, your game, so more people are, are going to be inclined to buy it afterwards. But honestly, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I think we need to to have more data uh, mm-hmm. for a few years and see if this is a good I- idea for both consumer and uh, developers. Okay. Like one of the things I, I know, because uh, I, I used to work for Microsoft uh, for years. Uh, I was with them during uh, the 360 era, and I, I think I left to help. I, I went from working with Xbox uh, Game Studios to I switched over to the retail side because I wanted to come back out here to Hawaii. So I came back mm-hmm. out. And uh, helped open the only Microsoft store, which unfortunately closed because it was right in front of an Apple store. And I'm thinking, mm. logistically, I don't understand if that's a good idea or not, but <laughs> whatever. But um, when, you know, I remember when they were talking about Game Pass, like internally, and uh, it, it had a different name back then, but that was the idea of games that you can just readily download and play as a service and then switching over to being able to, like, you know, pair a controller to your phone and then play it. And it was something that I remember when we, they were talking about that in R&D back in 2009, or 2008, 2009, 2010. And I was just thinking then, I'm like, man, we don't have the technology for it. And then, boom, I remember when it came out a couple of years, like, Actually, two years ago, they were doing test pilots for it, and I got mm-hmm. to be part of that. And I was like, "This is a cool concept." I don't think the general gaming public is ready for it because at the time, you know, like cloud gaming was just something people were like leery of the cloud, and to an mm-hmm. extent, people still kind of are. And it, it, it's a neat concept. I, I like the idea, especially with X Cloud, where I can or was it just game pass now where I can play the games on my phone. But mm-hmm. even then I'm like, I have to have a solid internet connection. Yeah. Like I, I realized that 4g internet or 4g LTE is not enough. And I know 5g is going to be implemented pretty soon. Rapidly. Yeah, with well, carriers. Still you have, you have to have a good connection. And for, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm, uh, most of the time when I use my phone and I want to play, uh, let's say, a game, I'm going to mm-hmm. be in the, in the subway or in the train. And yeah. the connection is, uh, is awful. And most yeah. of the time I, I lose it uh, from time to time. So I, I don't, I don't, I really don't, don't believe in, uh, in the cloud uh, computing and cloud uh, gaming really. Uh, maybe downloading the game uh, can be a solution, but uh, you have to to make game for Xbox, which are downloadable on a Android device, or yeah. iPhone, which is uh, unsolvable at the moment. Yeah, like it had to be similar to like Apple's arcade, where you're literally downloading the game and being able to play it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't see it. Like it, it's it's an I can I can see it as a nice novelty feature, mm-hmm. but like if that's the full direction they're going, I'm like I don't know about that. I kind of feel like that's probably why they haven't released like a portable console because they're like we could just do that. But it's neat. I'll say that it is neat, but 
it's not going to be the way I'm going to actually be playing the game fully all the time. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because they have a good. Um, you're talking about a portable console. They have a good. Um, uh, they, they make good product like uh, Surface uh, as a Surface uh, mm -hmm. machines or uh, even the new phone that the Surface Duo. Mm -hmm. um, this is like good stuff, but they're always lacking the software behind. Yeah, uh, and and this is a problem. And if they wanted to make a proper uh, gaming machine, like portable console, they would need games specially developed for for that. And this is not their strength, uh, yeah. really. Maybe more since they're buying a lot of uh, companies now, but. Yeah. Uh, but let's see how it goes because they are still outsiders, uh, Microsoft in the gaming uh, scope. Yeah. Uh, when you see the, the the number on Xbox uh, compared to PS4 or Switch or PC, this is like uh, seven times less than any other platform. Yeah. yeah. So. And it seems like the main way that they're competing is just having to buy these studios. Like, I was, I admit, I was shocked that they bought Bethesda. I didn't, that's not something I saw that, the, that they would do, but it does address the constant complaint that Xbox has no games. Even yeah. though it does, but yeah. people, they don't, I guess the quality is not to the PlayStation experience. Yeah. It, then with the games going to PC, it's like there's a question a lot of people rightfully have posed is like, why buy an Xbox if I have a gaming PC? If all the games on Xbox are going straight to it, I yeah. can just get Game Pass and get it that way. So it's like, it's interesting marketing because I'm like, do you want people to buy your, your console or do you just want to sell a service? Which I don't know. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think they have a huge marketing problem. <laughs> they, <laughs> you don't really know what they're doing and for who they are doing it. Yeah. Um, this is a shame because uh, I think at the core, they have like good stuff, mm -hmm. but this is ruined by some marketing, uh, I don't know, shit. <laughs> I know uh, PlayStation is uh, with the PlayStation five. They're going to be releasing a service very similar to game pass, but it seems like it's only going to cater to their first party games that have previously come out. Uh, and the difference is like, but that even, well, not really the difference is similar. Uh, you can still download the games and play it like PlayStation four games. And I think yeah. some PlayStation three and PlayStation two, and it, it's cool if you buy the consoles and you don't have a game and you've got PlayStation Plus, you've got something to play. But yeah, like I think PlayStation Now has definitely shown that cloud gaming is not really there because even for me, I've got a one gig uh, internet service mm -hmm. and it still struggles with that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's the, the, the same. Uh, even at my studio, we have a, like the most 
stable fiber connection you can think of. Like it's mm -hmm. one uh, gigabyte uh, per second uh, all the time. And when we tried, we tried Stadia at some point, uh, it was lagging. You know, this is not a small company. This is like the Google servers. Uh, mm. So it should be pretty a pretty good start for cloud gaming but uh so i don't think i, I don't think there's going to be a lot of adoption of the of the, of the series yeah uh what direction do you see the gaming industry heading uh cuz it is rapidly evolving do you see that or do you think that we're potentially going to go towards a all digital future like where I guess physical media is going to die off, or do you think there's always going to be physical media? No, I, I think there is always going to be um, retail uh, physical games, but that's going to become more and more niche because it's mm -hmm. so easy to download a game. Um, it's just a matter of uh, being able to play quickly, and sometimes you don't even want to have a, a box uh, of a game that you're going to play just for a bit and forget about it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, and you see the numbers. Uh, we have more and more downloads and more and more uh, digital games and uh, retail games. And, and overall, it's good because, uh, I mean, for developers, because it, you earn more money from a digital mm digital sale than a retail one. But uh, uh, I, I don't know, it's it's up to people. If they want to buy um, proper physical games, there are always going to be someone to to offer it. Like, yeah, I'm thinking limited run, uh, but there's a, a other companies that are doing that. And uh, yeah, but maybe there's going to be like the vinyl uh, for music. Uh, it's going to be something that you, you buy because you really want to have it um, as a physical. Mm. Okay. Um, considering you are a PC gamer, what are your thoughts on the new uh, NVIDIA RTX uh, 30 series? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking care. This is like, uh, do, do I need um, a 3090 uh, video game card? No, I don't. I, I always buy the previous generation because this is uh, this is honestly more than enough to play mm. any game uh, to play any game that has been released recently. And uh, this is uh, I won't be crying over the fact that some hardcore gamers don't have uh, their uh, RTX three ninety. Uh, <laughs> This is, this is. I mean, if they wanted more from Nvidia, they they would admit to uh, complain to Nvidia because they, they let the scalpers uh, do the job. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, you're gonna play the games at some point. You're gonna have your card at some point. Just wait a bit. Yeah, it's one of the things that I just kind of find interesting, and I was shocked to see that they introduced the 30 series card so soon i was like didn't we just get the 20 series like a year and a half yeah. ago <laughs> yeah, yeah 
And at that, at that time, that was like the, the ultimate uh, video game card uh, that you could think of. It, it was like priced eight hundred dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And now this is uh, this is like four hundred dollars for twenty sixty or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is you don't need it really. <laughs> <My> wife, <Hi. laughs> which is uh, coming back from uh, sport. Oh no worries, no worries. Yeah, like I, um, I was really, you know, like there's so many people I, I've seen all these uh, YouTubers and influencers are talking about how great the card is or promoting like you needed, and I'm I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I have a 2080 Ti. I went from a, a 1080 to that, and I'm at a point now where I'm like, what is it that this 30 series can do that my 2080 can't? And I'm not. Seeing. You're not sure. You're, yeah, you know, <laughs> you knows what you can do. You, you know that you can do uh, ray tracing. Uh, but most of the game don't have retracing. Yeah. When they have, it's, it's, it's lagging and it's not... But they want the newest stuff and they want the newest... Uh, good for them, but uh, uh, never be an early adapter uh, yeah. because uh, when you, are, you don't have problem, you, have, uh, you pay a massive price for something that isn't really worth it. You don't mm. need it. You don't need the latest stuff at the biggest price because uh, you're just a consumer, uh, an avid consumer. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, people <laughs> <laughs> are gonna be angry at me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so winding down to the last couple of questions I have for you: uh, What are some things that you like to do uh, in your spare time when you're not working or working on development of a game? Uh, I do music uh, with two friends of mine. Mm-hmm. We are like playing, you know, like 40, 40 something people who are playing rock from the 90s. Um, wow. And I have a lot of time to spend with my kids mm-hmm. uh, because uh, two kids at home is uh, quite some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't have other thing in my life than video game <laughs> already. But uh, you have a lot of uh, <laughs> you have love. Of course, you have love. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any um, video games or anything you're looking forward to or, or currently playing that you're enjoying? Uh, just started Aegis, uh, which mm-hmm. is a good game. Uh, always playing a bit of uh, Overwatch uh, and being a massive uh, sucking at it uh, because I, I suck at video games in general. <laughs> um, what do I look forward to? Uh, I don't know really. Um, some uh, I, I have to check uh, what I have in my uh, Steam wish list. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know for, for me, like, every time I get a game, because I, I review a lot of games, uh, alongside podcasting, I do video game journalism and game reviews, and um, 
a lot of people will tell me like, oh, you're doing the dream. Like you're, you're playing all these games. You get to play games all the time. I'm like, it's different when you're playing it for fun versus playing it for work. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying with, you know, like having the R4 card because I was in the same boat. I had one, I had all the games and I, I didn't complete anything. And like, it makes me think of that when I'm having to review all these games, like currently by Friday, I have 15 games to finish and have a review up for. And it's, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy any of them. No, no. To the finish line. Yeah, it's like the people, they, they think that like, oh, you're going to like enjoy it a lot. And I'm like, it's a job. It's work. I love it. But when they're like, I tell them when I'm in my free time, a lot of times I don't play video games. I just I'll make music because I play guitar and violin. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll, I'll just play music. Yeah, what, you know, like something smart, outside. What a smart thing. <laughs> I used to play cello when I was a kid. Not <laughs> a, a, an orchestra, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, gaming, I, I love it. Uh, I think the one game I got that I literally, I had an embargo within hours of getting it was actually Streets of Rage 4. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, literally, they gave it to me like, I want to say six hours before the embargo lifted. Hmm. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay. Drop. <laughs> I enjoyed it because I, I actually played it and beat it, with my, beat it with my wife. But I was like, man, if this was like a 40 or 50 hour game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, no. But this is, this is a good thing, actually, for Street of Rage. Uh, uh, we have, like, uh, you can play the game from start to finish in uh, three to four hours. Yeah. And this is instant gaming. Like, you, you start the game, and in 15 seconds, uh, you are at the first level, and you're fighting enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and after that, you can uh, either put down the controller uh, when you finish the game or start another with another character or something. Yeah. Uh, but which is for me, this is, a, this is a good thing for a game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it was easy doing a review for it because one, I love Streets of Rage. I love beat em ups. And once I beat it, I was like, okay. I'm just going to brain dump everything I experienced, everything I enjoyed. It's all going in that review. Mm. I don't think, I think I had my wife proofread it because I wrote it and then I recorded it and I threw up both the video and the written review. And I was like, I'm good. And then people are like, Oh, there's some typos. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's out. I don't care. Yeah. Um, is there any advice uh, you would give to the audience that may be interested in getting into the gaming industry? Um, advice. I'm not. I'm not in a position to give advice. Really, uh, mm -hmm. I started uh, in the game industry quite recently. Uh, mm -hmm. To be honest, and. And people, if they want to, to go into the game industry, they have to be aware that it's uh, it's a lot of uh, it's like every 
creation industry, it relies on passion and sometimes it uh, depends on passion of the people they, they make uh, work uh, from. And, and they have to, to realize this is, a wor this is work and mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to separate uh, your intimate life from intimate or private life uh, from your work life and from uh, what you expect uh, from it to be and what it's ultimate, ultimately going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but this is actually a very lively industry and you have a lot of creative people and a lot of people are cheering for the success of others, uh, which is more than good uh, in any creative industry. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would I would say go for it and don't be afraid to to go abroad and uh, to try different stuff and sometimes maybe it's not gonna be for you and you're gonna realize that in a few years time uh, just just go with your guts and uh, don't try don't try too hard and um, don't try to no that's not a good advice try it hard <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know do your stuff uh, be good be good to other people and uh, and maybe you're gonna have something. Okay. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to, to leave the audience with before we go? Uh Street Afraid. Always. <laughs> <laughs> um actually I lied, I have one final question for you. Yeah. Did you have fun? In this show? Yeah. It was a nightmare. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I had fun. I had a, it was a good time. You see, we spent an hour and four minutes together, and I'm <laughs> going by. <laughs> sure. Very um, good host, uh, thank Mexico. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where can people find you on uh, social media, or you know, plug any outlets that you're on and anything you're working on? Uh, most most of my social interaction are on Twitter. You can find me at uh, Arabas. Uh, ben Fike, B E N F I Q U E T, and uh, otherwise uh, you can find me other other in other part of the internet. But I'm not very I'm not very there mostly. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I um, you know going back to what you were saying uh, just briefly ago uh, about you know being in the industry and separating. A creative industry separating personal and and your work and passion is very critical advice. Like that is, you know, especially for me as a as a content creator, as a you know independent journalist as well. I I try to tell other content creators and people I know in the gaming industry like it's it's okay to take a break from, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and. It's it, it sometimes I if you want to to spend a lot of hours on your games on your own stuff and uh, I don't I don't really count my working hours and sometimes I go back on the weekend just to finish stuff but yeah. I will never ask that from my employees because mm -hmm. this is not their um, uh, ultimately. 
I'm happy that they have a passion to finish uh, the game we're working on, but uh, they have other things to do with their life, really. Mm-hmm. The, the game is still going to be there, um, and, and to each their own, I think. But, uh, but try, yeah, I don't know, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my, my train of thought, really. <laughs> No, I, I understand where you're going with that. That's, that's no, you're, you're, you're very right. And, you know, with, with that being said, people, this is the episode. Uh, you can, you'll be able to catch this if you're uh, looking for it in video format it is available on youtube.com slash Mikhail Casanova as well. Exactly. Yeah. Everything you're seeing here. Everything is, is, is here. I actually have to update it. Um, I had Amazon actually reached out to me a week ago uh, mm-hmm. to put my podcast on Amazon Music. Uh, I was actually surprised today because I I didn't know that Amazon Music had podcasts, and they reached out. I, I didn't and, know they had the music part. <laughs> yeah. So so they reached out, and um, I was in talks with them, and then next thing I know, within like. Uh, 48 hours, like boom, my podcast is there. So I have to update this because uh, it's now on uh, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and video format on YouTube, pre recorded, sometimes live stream on Twitch, which is uh, <clears throat> if it's streamed on Twitch, it's exclusive to Twitch uh, initially for the first 24 hours, but. Yeah, you can catch it there if you want to support the podcast. We have Patreon, patreon.com slash Mikhail Casanova. It, you know, it helps us keep going. Better equipment, better lightning. Well, lightning? No, lightning. See, I struggle sometimes because English is not my first language. <laughs> A lot of people get tripped up when I say that. I'm like, yeah, English is not my first language. It's my second. Well, no, third. Third language. But I mask, I try to mask it. So that I don't you, sell. You, you have a better English than mine. Oh, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. With that being said, people, I leave links to Ben's uh, social media as well as Lizard Cubes as well, and links also to Streets of Rage Four. Because uh, if you haven't played it, I don't know what you're doing to your life. You need to go out and play it. It's the best beat 'em up of the year, hands down. Nothing's touching it. Uh and no. Ben didn't pay me to say that. This is my opinion. <laughs> um, it would. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, this is an interactive uh, storytelling. <laughs> With that being said, people, uh, Ben and I are signing out. We hope you have a great one. Stay safe and uh, have a good day. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Casanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did. And since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you like, what you didn't like, and everything in between. 
And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great one.